You're listening to Run Hard, Mom Hard, presented by Treeline Journal and hosted by Nikki Parnell and Steph Moniker. We're here to listen and share stories of motherhood and life from the trails from mamas who run ultra marathons. We hope to be a resource and encouragement to all moms who continue to show up, run, and chase their dreams even after having kids. It's not easy, and we'll talk about all the hard and real parts that make up this crazy lifestyle. But we're also here to celebrate and inspire each other to keep finding their inner mom strength that allows us to show this sport new levels of grit and show our kids that so much is possible. Welcome to another episode of Run Hard, Mom Hard. Today, we have Sabrina Little on the podcast. But before we get into that, Steph, how are you? What's going on? <laughs> that sounds a little serious. What is going on with you? What's, what's your life? Um, we're, so when this podcast comes out, we will be in northern Wisconsin at my family's camp. <sighs> I'm just so excited to practice. Well, at a, like our property up there in northern okay. Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a camp, basically. I mean, it's just like a little sauna house that my dad built and a outhouse and not much else. <laughs> Fire pit. <Cool>. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so pretty up there. That's where we spent that week um, early September. And so we're hauling the camper up because we like having our own place to stay. And we're just... I told, this was just last weekend. I just, I, um, I had Amelia sleeping on me cause she's t- getting her molars right now. And so I was just, I ha- was on my phone and she was sleeping on my chest and I texted him and I was like, do you want to go up to my nog next weekend? And he's like, yeah, we can. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like we're just Doing going. It. I just needed to get away. And it's, I mean, it's free for us to go up there because it's our family's land. And so it's just, it's so gorgeous. And we yeah. love being outside and it's, why it's not do it days up there? I know. So Aaron doesn't work Fridays in the winter. So we are leaving Thursday night. So we get a long weekend up there and I'm just so excited. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that'll be so nice. Oh, yeah. that sounds great. And so it'll be chilly up there. Will it be, will there be snow? It'll- um, I don't know. I haven't looked to see if they've gotten, they got snow a while ago, but I don't know if it's been warm enough that it's melted. I mean, that's how it's been here. We got 16 inches of snow mm-hmm. in like a week and now it's all gone. Um, but it'll be cooler up there. I think it'll be tens, teens at night and then, yeah. you know, mid twenties, low thirties during the day, but it'll just that's be, not, that's okay. If you have a camper, you know, oh, yeah. Well, and we have, <laughs> Literally, I mean, even in the summer, we have a fire going all day long um, yeah. outside. And my dad just put in a new um, fireplace in the sauna house, and then there's the sauna. And so it's just like it's all windows, and it just looks down this ravine into like a river. And it's just, it's so peaceful. And it's just like just the perfect getaway. <laughs> it's your happy place. It is my happy place. I love it up there. Awesome. Yeah. And so then Duluth has, um, it's called Bentleyville and it's like this huge light display. And so, um, it's just a drive through because of COVID. You can't walk through it anymore. You used to be able to walk through it, but so I think we're going to take the girls up there and drive through the lights cause they love the lights. And Duluth is such a pretty city. So we might go up in the morning and go hiking on the SHT and then 
you know, grab some lunch and then go see the lights early. So perfect. Perfect. Yay. Excited. Yay. Have fun with that. Yeah. I know. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm just like giddy getting ready for it and have some of the bags packed and the campers got to get, you know, bedding on it and all that stuff. But especially in this year, it's nice to have something to look forward to. Oh gosh. I know. (laughs) It's not just another weekend, you know, like same old, same old. It's good to do something different. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's no one up there. So it's not like we're, you know, mixing with people for COVID. Like it's just perfect. An empty space. So yeah. anyway, what about we you? We could all use some empty space. Gosh. I know we could use a lot of empty space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So with me, I had a birthday. Um, you know, Steph and I are both December babies, which yeah. I think is so fun. Um, and yeah. I've always loved having a birthday in December. And it was so funny because I was talking to somebody about how, like, I have a a birthday in December and they had a birthday in December and I'm like, isn't it just the best? And, um, he's like, Oh, like, why, why would you think it's the best? (laughs) And I, I don't know, but, um, I've always, it's my favorite time of year and the lights and the Christmas trees and the, everything is just my happy place. Like what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, Aaron's birthday is in December too. Oh, is it? It's New Year's Eve. Oh, funny. Yeah, he's got a party every year. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nice, like built yeah. in. He's going to have a party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Anyway, so my, like, the best thing, um, well, we had a couple, like, great, um, well, small but great family times. Yeah. Were awesome. But then um, we also, Chase and I, got to go skiing, cross-country skiing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I have skied since I was like four and I um, competed in high school on the cross country ski team. And so I just, I love it so much and it makes me so joyful and it is, it is. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I just kept saying to Chase, like how much fun I was having and like how, just how good it felt. And, you know, being pregnant, like, Obviously, like, I don't want to fall. I feel like my fall risk is very low because I'm very comfortable on my skis. And the snow was great. We got um, fresh snow the night before. So it wasn't, like, icy or, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was just perfect. And I took Chase on some trails that he hadn't been on before. Um, uh, And it just, it was just the best. It was, like, the best present. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, so... so yeah I'm glad yeah and you got to get out and got to spend some time with Chase that's always I feel like it's always hard getting like that especially during COVID like you can't go on a date night or do you know it's like yes I don't know yeah and right now like all our restaurants um I mean everything's you can get takeout but you can't sit in anywhere and yeah I know I was reflecting like last year for my birthday we um we went out to dinner at like this great restaurant and in downtown Bend. And then we went to a play, like a Christmas play. It was like a Jane Austen play and it was really fun. And I was like, dang, I want to do this like every year (laughs) for my birthday. And obviously we can't do that this year, but um, we still got to get outside and that was good. So 
go to your happy place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This episode is sponsored by Exoskin. Exoskin is a running apparel company that makes seamless running gear with their special rapid dry copper technology that protects runners from chafing, blisters, hot spots, and chafing. All of their products are 100% made in the U.S. Okay. We've personally tried the 4.0 mid-compression shorts and toe socks, and those are both really awesome. The shorts have, like, ridges, ribbing um, kind of feel to them, and they don't ride up. They kind of hold everything secure, but you're still very flexible. There's no constriction. Um, they're very comfortable shorts to wear. And the socks um, really help kind of protect each individual toe from rubbing against each other and creating blisters. I think it's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I wore the socks during my 50K this summer, and I had two tiny little blisters um, that went away after a day. I mean, and my for the first 12 miles so they worked super well so we have an exclusive discount for our listeners you can use the code treeline that's t-r-e-e-l-i-n-e for 20 percent off your next purchase yes head over to exoskin.us shop around use the code treeline and by supporting exoskin you're also supporting run hard mom hard and so it means a lot to us and now we're excited to share that we are having Sabrina Little on the podcast. So Sabrina Little is a professor of philosophy. She is sponsored by Hoka One One and has been since, I think she said 2015, 2016. She's done numerous amount of 100 milers. She's done 24-hour races. She's just has a very full life <laughs> yeah yep she's a five times national champion she's a world silver medalist she has set the american record twice for the 24-hour distance uh, she mm -hmm. was the first american woman to break 150 miles in 24 hours um yeah and now she's a new mom and yeah. she has a six-month-old baby and so we get to hear about pretty much everything from her education and work and philosophy to running and what that's like to actually do those longer things like 24 hour races. And then what it's been like to step into motherhood this year um, during a pandemic and what pregnancy was like and all of that stuff. So the full episode, a lot of good stuff. Sabrina is awesome. Give it a listen. Hi, Sabrina. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, can you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay, so I'm Sabrina Little, and I am a trail and ultra runner for Hoka One One. Um, I'm also a philosophy professor at Moorhead State in Kentucky, and I'm a new mom. I have a six-month-old um, named Lucy and a wonderful husband, and his name is David. Oh, awesome. Well, You're in this baby. Thank yeah. you. You're in the throes of new motherhood. Yeah, it's kind of like 
I don't know, the exciting part, like at six months, she's less of like a little lump and has more personality and um, is laughing and interacting. So it's really fun. Yeah. Is she crawling yet? She's kind of not entirely. She's orienting herself like she can move in a circle and she log rolls around the living room, but not like full on crawl yet. Yeah. It's always kind of scary when they start getting mobile and you're like, okay, now I yes. can't just see you here and go to the bathroom quick. I gotta yes. watch you. So totally. Yeah. But then, yeah, you're kind of like on edge all the time, like making sure they don't like massively hurt themselves. But then, then it'll, I mean, which with each phase, there's like really good and then kind of hard parts. Yeah. <laughs> like balance, but yeah. Um, Sabrina, where are you from? Uh, I'm from northern New Jersey, um, kind of the northwest corner, so right in the Appalachian Trails, um, and I grew up running those trails. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing the AT? I definitely, yeah, so I definitely have. Um, It's like one of those big projects that you have to get everybody on board with. And when I can raise it (laughs) to my husband and say, like, I don't know. This is a fun idea. Uh, maybe someday. Um, but for now, just more modest projects like hundred milers, um, things that like take a day, um, or less are, are what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Just modest, you know, yeah. Yeah. hundred milers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of wondering, I kind of wanted to talk to you about like your education and work. Um, I'm wondering, so you got your master's in divinity from Yale and your PhD in philosophy from Baylor. And well, those are both so cool. I'm wondering what drove you to study those things? Uh, Okay, so starting back at William & Mary, um, I went to William & Mary for undergrad and my intention was to become a doctor. I'm not really sure why. I mean, I am like one of those people who gets like grossed out by like guts (laughs) and blood and and things. So I don't know why that was my intention, but I think it was really just that there's a lot of school involved and I just love school. Um, So when I went to William & Mary, that was my intention. Um, But I'm more of like a literary um, or like humanities kind of person. That's like where my strengths are. So I just started like cheating on my chemistry classes with creative writing and like sneaking into philosophy courses. And um, like halfway through, I was like, no, I, I have to major in this. I love it. I love like the great questions and asking about like what a person is and what we're doing here. Um, also, like questions of character, um, what is morality, things like that. I'm, I'm really drawn to. So um, after undergrad, um, I thought about like how I could pursue it as a career. And I was um, told that I should consider getting a master's first. Um, so I went to Yale um, and it was in the Divinity School. But my degree is um, a master's of philosophy of religion. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and then after that, I went and just got a PhD. So I did that in philosophy. Um, now I write in character education. Um, I love it. Virtues, the good life, flourishing, um, all questions that I think about all the time anyway. So, um, yeah, I just love everything about what I do. 
That's so amazing. Yeah, it's amazing that you like, you're like, okay, you were sneaking into these little courses and through that you found what you're so passionate about. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. What was I it? Love- oh, go ahead. You go. I said, what was it like going to Yale? Um, It was wonderful. Uh, I really liked it. It was like a pretty vibrant community. Um, It's interesting, like, uh, so I've never lived in a place where I've been around ultra runners, but I felt the most like understood among my peers when I was at Yale because everyone was so intense and driven in whatever they were doing. So even though it they weren't crazy about hundred milers. They were intense about something. And so mm-hmm. I just felt like the pace of life was something that, uh, I don't know. It felt like fitting. And I, I felt like I had, um, really great peers who just understood my drive better than I guess any other context. Yeah. That's so cool. And so have you always been like this driven person? Where did that come from? Your drive? to be intense about things. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. That's like, that's a really good question. Uh, like Nietzsche says, we knowers are unknown to ourselves. Like, I, I really don't understand like why I am the way I am. And I have like guesses. I mean, I have siblings who are pretty, um, pretty high achievers. And just to be in their midst, I'm like the third of four children. So I guess like I've kind of had like the chip on my shoulder sort of thing, like trying to, um, I don't know, make, I I don't know, like find something that I'm good at. Um, But I think like I'm a naturally pretty competitive person. I love like to achieve things or finish goals and like crossing things off to do lists, Um, just that kind of uh, orientation. Um, And I think honestly, it's like my best asset as a person, but also my greatest foible, like <laughs> I get into the most kind of messes, like trying to do uh, more than I should try to. I don't know. Like I, I, I'm not great at balance sometimes because I'm always trying to um, put more things on my plate and um, accomplish a, as much as I can. Yeah. yeah. That's a common <laughs> problem. <laughs> right. Especially it gets harder with, motherhood and then also still trying to do everything we always wanted to do but it's good it's and what is balance anyway really nobody has a perfectly balanced life you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so um can I ask what did you do your dissertation on when you got your PhD yeah so I actually wrote on admiration um, like moral exemplars. So how do we take people who are exemplary um, in a certain way? So maybe it's someone who's like very has like a lot of perseverance, um, like and I described kind of the process of learning from that person. So how do you move from just admiring them in sort of like having pleasant feelings toward them toward like actually taking ownership for those qualities and then becoming excellent in the same way yourself. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. I think like I'm a person who, uh, leans into admiration a lot. Like I always have people who like propped up in my life. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you are so exemplary. And it like the temptation is kind of to stop, stop there and just think, wow, you're awesome. Like, and then not, I don't know, apply it in your own life. So, um, 
yeah, so it's been interesting kind of writing about that and doing the theory behind imitation, what's happening in the act of imitation or emulation, um, but then also to do some self-reflection and asking whether I'm actively trying to become better in certain ways myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is so neat. That's, you can yeah. see yourself and your life in this work. It's so practical, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like some some good advice that I got was like, you should always do philosophy that's close to home, like something that um, is relevant to your own life. Um, and so, yeah, so admiration is something that I've personally asked about quite a bit. I also write in philosophy of sports quite a bit just because I can't stop thinking about sports. Uh, so I might as well invest in those questions. So, yeah. Yeah. And so what do you mean when you say you write in philosophy of sports? Like what what are you writing? Where are you writing? What can you explain, please? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really good question. And I. Yeah, I probably don't explain this very well because honestly, like my sister just tells people I'm a psychologist because she's like, what even is philosophy? Like, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, so the way it works, I mean, it, it's somewhat standard across um, kind of like academia in general. So you do your uh, job is kind of divided into different roles that you play. So one thing that I do is that I'm a university professor and I teach things like logic and ethics um, or like great books types classes, things like that. But then you have kind of a research component um, where you are trying to get published in some of the top journals. So you're contributing to the literature of your field. Um, and it's something I guess like personally for me, I think teaching comes more naturally like I love teaching. I love mentoring. I love like starting dialogue with students and um, investing in them. That's something that I love to do. But the research side is just like, honestly, it's a free for all. You can write on anything <laughs> that you want to. And like, that's really fun in, in philosophy in general, because um, there's philosophy of pretty much any, anything <laughs> you can do philosophy of like animals, like, I don't know, focus on like, like, I don't know, different creatures. So you can do like, um, like more broadly, you can do metaphysics. So you could ask about like God or um, humans or what we consist of, like, I don't know, body and mind. You can write on uh, like philosophy of sports like I do, or you can write on, um, I write a lot about um, ethics. So asking about these excellent qualities that like, what are the qualities that make us kind of flourishing good people? Um, and so really, I just like investigate questions that I find interesting and that I think can contribute and move the field forward. Yeah, very cool. It's nice that you get to do your own thing. Yeah. You what you're interested in. Yeah. Because then it's more meaningful to you, too. So that's part of your job as like or with the university is doing research too. Right. Yep. God. That is so cool. I love yeah. that. I love that. And yeah. so what, what kind of topics do you write about with sports? What do you yeah. would like to research in within sports realm? Yeah. So good question. Um, right now I do a lot of like character in the context of sports, like 
what are the impacts on you as a person um, when you participate in different sorts of things. So we often talk about sports as being kind of like an unqualified good in our development as people. Like you put little Johnny in Little League because you think it's going to help him be like more brave or um, like more self-disciplined in things. Um, so I investigate things like questions like that. And then also kind of deleterious consequences. Like it's not really a sure thing that our participation in sports is going to make us stronger, better people, right? Because if that were the case, then FIFA would be like a bastion of virtue. And if you look at like the people in there, like I wouldn't necessarily say that, I don't know, like they're flourishing or thriving or um, living their best lives uh, really in all cases. So um, like I ask questions like that. And I'm also interested in kind of the applied ethics questions of like doping or, um, kind of like technology doping. I've gotten kind of like the shoe debate under my skin recently. So I've just been thinking about where to draw lines there. What are the questions we should be asking? Um, yeah. Oh, that's like tough stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. And people get angry, I guess, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but somebody's got to be asking these kind of questions and um it's, you know, part of like what you said before, moving moving your field forward and right, and extension all of us, you know, if we're learning and growing about these things. Right. I just love that you're able to choose like what you're interested in because then you never get bored. You're like, okay, what, you know, the next thing or the next topic or, you know, things that you can research. It's like you'll right. never get bored because you're never doing the exact same thing all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, well, would- and so I was thinking um, because like philosophy, you can apply it to so many different areas as a person. I mean, I, it seems like it, it helps you be a whole full person thinking about all these, these different things. Um, it seems so um, practical to me. I, I was wondering though, um, if you ever had people maybe like raising their eyebrow or like telling you not to study your areas of interest, like because of like money, practicality, like, um, you know, education just takes so much time and money. Um, and then, you know, being like in philosophy is, you know, not something people would say, oh yeah, that's going to be totally as profitable as being a doctor or, you know, like, did you ever have any of that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I like how you phrased that in a very gracious way. Like, but yeah, I mean, it's 2020 and I'm a philosopher. Uh, Yeah. So people, I don't know, think about like Plato and Aristotle and they're like, doesn't that belong kind of in the ancient times? Like, why are you still doing this work? Um, And I think like, so my answer to that is that we're still humans, right? And so we still have these big questions. I mean, people are still wondering about, like, what is it that we're doing here? Like, uh, there's this quote from Walker Percy. I'm, I'm going to butcher it. But he says, like, this is a deranged age, more deranged than usual, because despite great scientific advances, uh, we've not the faintest idea of, like, who we are or what we're doing here. Like, so... I mean, science keeps progressing, like math keeps progressing, like all of these fields. Um, 
are moving us forward, but still at the end of the day, like when your head is on the pillow at night, you're like a human who wants to know, like, I don't know, who am I? What should I be? Like, am I thriving? Like, what kind of, like, what's my life oriented toward? Like, what are things that are of value? And as long as we're humans, like philosophers should still have a role in society because we don't like, it's not that I know the answers to these questions, but I know, I guess, better questions to ask and um, am spending my career kind of participating in a tradition of inquiry and um, reminding people of ways like these questions have been answered in the past or like, um, I don't know, like, giving people um, rational tools to kind of ask better questions of things that are currently happening in our world. So like, what are the right questions to ask about super shoes? Why is this something that's getting under our skin? Um, Should we just like let technology proceed as it is uninterrupted or should we be worried about what's being compromised here? So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think as, as, as long as science or technology is advancing, like we're evolving as human beings and there's always going to be different questions that philosophers are going to have to ask because we're not the same as when Aristotle was doing philosophy. Right. Yeah. Different, different puzzles arise for sure. Yeah. 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 That's so neat. And yeah, that's so cool. Um, So how did, how did you deal with those negative comments? Oh, yeah. Um, like regarding the super shoes? No, 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 no. Regarding, like, oh, 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 yeah. People ask, like, saying, oh, you're not going to make any money or, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I would say, I don't know, there's not much of my life that I would say is oriented toward, like, money in general. So, I, I mean, if that's, like, the what I'm losing, you know, a life of riches, then that's totally fine. I'll just, like, stomach that criticism. Um, but, you know... Like <laughs> when they when they say, I don't know, criticisms like this, like I just ask, like, well, you know, like just ask where they're coming from. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like I when I switched to be a philosophy major, I actually still retained I, I'm, I remained pre-med philosophy, uh, pre-med psychology and philosophy just you know, to have it in my back pocket. But uh, I remember being so nervous to tell my mom that I was switching because I was like, oh, she's going to say this is not practical. And then when I told her, she was like, yeah, of course. Like, I knew this was going to happen. She's like, I predicted this. Like, I knew you would end up in the humanities. I knew you would study philosophy um, just like because she knew me well enough to know, like, this is the kind of thing that would make me flourish. Um I've been trying to like squeeze myself into the scientist mode and yeah, it just wasn't fitting. So your mom's always the one that knows you best. They always know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so neat. Yeah. I'm glad you like followed your, your heart on that one, your passion, because um, we need people like you (laughs) in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you said you went to Baylor. Yes. And I and my husband, too, are obsessed with Chip and Joanna. Oh, yeah. Did you ever ever see them? Or have you been, like, around? Yeah. So when I was – so, okay, so before I started the Ph.D. program, I worked in a small classical school in Waco, and their children attended the school. Oh, my Um, gosh. 
Yeah, and they are lovely people. They're just as lovely as they seem, like on television, um, a great family, um, well-loved by Waco. And I think it's kind of like a balance because their work is, like, actively transforming Waco. Um, yeah. And making it like this weird tourist place that it wasn't before, but they are, I think, I don't know, the way they go about it is responsible and respectful to the Waco that we knew before. So, yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about them and their family. That just makes me so happy. I'm, we're like, we're obsessed <laughs> with them. I was going to do my first uh, mother and daughter trip. So me and my mom are going to go to Waco oh. weekend that magnolia or the silos and but that was in april so then the yeah pandemic hit, so well if you do go let me know and i'll tell you all the good places to run and eat yes please do <laughs> yes yeah That's we still so have cool. the tickets that we have to use sometime here i think so yeah but i just wanted to ask that it was a random question but <laughs> because i'm obsessed with them i can't help it <laughs> yeah I had to follow her heart on that one. I did. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So about running, um, you started running from a very early age, right? Yes. And how did you get into running? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I think, I don't remember life before running. I think it's something that I just always did. Like I remember like forcing my friends to play this game where we would like, uh, I would run around the house and then make them run around the house. And then I would run around the house. Like kind of like a baton game. Like, I don't know like why I still have friends, but I don't know. So (laughs) I just like loved it from a young age, but um, I played all sorts of sports. I don't think that I knew that, running was something that you could do kind of independently as a sport until I guess middle or high school. But I started, I played soccer um, and basketball pretty seriously. Um, We had like a, one of those elite development soccer teams um, I made as a seven year old. Um, And the same group of girls actually did like the elite development basketball team and then also the softball team. So like, Every season, it was the same group of, like, really tough, like, little girls who just um, loved sport, loved play. And then sometimes, like, we would be going from the softball field to the soccer field, um, just, like, all together. So it was really a cool way to be raised, just to grow up with this group of girls who valued hard work um, and just kind of developed together over the years. Um, but through that, I always, um, I guess, stood out through running. I remember um, the coach actually, as a seven-year-old, he told me, you're making this team because you're the fastest girl out here. It doesn't have to do with your ball handling skills. So I like remember just like having a chip on my shoulder about that and like practicing so hard to just get my skills up to that level. But um, I started participating in these local um, 5Ks um, as like a fifth and sixth grader. And I remember like even at that age, I would beat the high school cross country team um, that would participate And so I started talking to the coach. um, And by the time I got to high school, I knew like, well, I'm going to end up running. I still held on to uh, like soccer and basketball my freshman year. But by sophomore year, I was running year round. Um, 
And yeah, so it was a pretty seamless transition. Um, I loved it. I loved the team. I ended up running for a couple of years at William and Mary, um, and then moving into longer distance and more of like road and, and trail trail scene. Okay. So did you end up, um, like in college, you quit the team so that you could do longer stuff? Yeah. So, um, okay. So when I was a senior in high school, I was, I did not know anything about like the recruiting scene. And I had like some schools that were reaching out to me, but they weren't schools that I was like really interested in competing in. So I just kind of shelved that situation and said like, I'm just going to get into the school that I want to academically. Um, and then once I got in and figured out where I wanted to go, um, I contacted the coach um, and got onto the team. So it was William & Mary. Um, that's a Division One program. Again, I had no idea what that meant. Um, and when I got there, um, yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. Um, the first couple of years that I did it, um, I loved it. But it was also like a very bad fit training wise. Um, I do well off of kind of like high mileage and more like strength based work. Um, so tempos and hill repeats, things like that. And I just became pretty fragile, like doing the more higher intensity kinds of training. And I remember just like feeling slow and bad. And like now I know I was low iron, but at the time I was like, well, I guess I'm just like not as good at this as I was last month, you know, like I just did not have vocabulary to describe what was happening. So um, after my freshman year, I kind of like stepped away. Um, I told her I just like wanted to get the coach. I told her I wanted to just like get healthier over the summer and just figure out training. Um, so she let me like figure out my own plan. Um, and then I came back healthy again and started running with the girls again and like was not doing well. So I stepped away from them. It was actually pretty great. I started running with a group of boys. Um, they were called Team Blitz um, at the college. And their slogan is like, you know, instead of student athletes, they call themselves athletic students. Um, and it was like a very good fit. I had this crew of boys um, who were like, pretty similar ability level to me and they called me their queen and we would just like run around campus every day just like more relaxed and um they actually took me to my first couple of ultra marathons and were my crew um and yeah I I just like flourished kind of in that setting where I had like more um yeah just more freedom to do I guess what fit what fit with my um what works for my body better, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, what's the significance of between the student athlete and the athletic student? Yeah. So student athlete, I guess like the emphasis is just like more on the, on the athlete. And so I just remember like one example of this is we would have preferential, um, access to registration. So we would get to pick our classes first, but we were always picking our classes around when practice time was. So mm. we just like, I always, I don't know. I was still like a science person at that point. So I was like, I can't do this lab. So I was like postponing like when I was doing labs and just like, I don't know. Once I switched over to team blitz, it was like, well, 
I could just choose the classes that I wanted and it didn't matter if they were in this three to four thirty like time frame when we had like workouts going on. So um yeah, the emphasis was on being a student and like it didn't matter if you didn't come to practice because no one was like holding you to that. So sometimes I would run in the mornings or just whenever I could fit it in kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, no, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um I think that would be really difficult to be having to completely rearrange your school schedule based on your athletics, then you, I mean, you can't even necessarily get in what you want to get in. And huh, that's, that's neat that you found more of a kind of healthy balance in that area. Um, and so at this time you were doing ultras. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So the one thing I left out was that, <laughs> After my freshman year of college, so I was still on the team, uh, but taking that summer break. Uh, so my mom was in her third year of remission from cancer, and I wanted to celebrate her in some way. Um, and I like grand gestures. So I ran 100 miles as a fundraiser for the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition. Um, mm. And it was just like a really special time with her. Um and yeah, just like a special time celebrating um, with her. And it went really well. Honestly, I did not know that there was such a thing as ultra running at this time. I just thought that it was like something that I was doing. And then it was in the newspaper afterwards and people were telling me like, this was one of the top 100 mile times in the country for this past year. And I was like, there are other people who do this? What? <laughs> so I don't know. It's so like, Part of the uh, impetus to, like, ultimately step away from the team, like, there were these considerations with, like, my academic schedule. There were considerations with I keep getting banged up, but I know that there's a better way for me to train. But then it was also, like, this curiosity for what was beyond and, like, trying to find these people who did this thing that I discovered I like to do. Wow. That's so Cool. And then how did you, um, so you said the team blitz helped you, um, with crewing and stuff. Had they done ultras before or did they know the scene or how did you kind of learn like what to do during a hundred or how did you get all your ultra information? Yeah. So I did not know anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the first, that first hundred miler, uh, like my, I ate like fruit snacks and uh, just like culottas from Dunkin' Donuts because I had no idea what I was doing. Then like I showed up to a 50 miler and I remember standing on the starting line um, and I had no water bottle and they were like, what is your plan? I was like, what? Like I heard that there are like aid stations. Can I get drinks there? And like, I just had no idea. Um, and then actually I went to, so as part of that 50 miler, which was mountain masochist in Virginia, it used to be a golden ticket race. So I got into Western States and actually that was wonderful because I went on the training trip in, in May, um, and ended up running with Ashley Nordell and her husband. Yes. And okay. Yeah. And she was just so wonderful. She just like walked me through everything I needed to know, like told me about fueling, they loaned me a water bottle and it was just like, she was just like so wonderful. And I ran with her um, every day that week um, and, and got to know a little bit about it. I would say I'm still not like 
I mean, some people are so precise about their nutrition, their race nutrition and hydration. I'm still more of an artist than a scientist when it comes to that. I kind of like feel it out as I go. Um, but I am like miles improved from where I was when Ashley found me that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was wondering how you knew Ashley because I saw, um, like a comment on our Instagram and how like, you know, Ashley said, Oh, I didn't know to drink water when I first yeah. started and you were like, yeah, you told me to drink water. <laughs> yeah. 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 She is wonderful. And she's been on the scene for so long. I just like, I don't know, a wealth of um, like wisdom, but also just like one of the friendliest people on the scene. Oh yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You found her. Yeah. And so did you then go on to do Western States that year? So that was 2008 and the course was like on fire that year. So, yeah. So I flew, I flew out there, um, the day before the race, uh, it got called. So it was unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you haven't made it back, right? Or have you done Western? No. no, I've gotten other golden tickets, but I haven't taken them um, just because, well, until the last couple of years, I didn't have sponsorship support until like 2016 ish. Um, so it's very expensive. So I mostly oh. race regionally. Now I have support, but I've been focusing on things that are more like in my skill set. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay, so one one thing you've done a lot of, which is so cool, and I don't think, especially on this podcast, I don't think we've ever talked to someone that has like kind of specialized in this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But so you have done quite a bit of twenty four hour races, yeah. and you've even you've set records. Um, one time you ran, was it like one hundred and fifty two miles in yeah. twenty four hours? Was, wasn't that the first um, American woman, like you broke the American woman record in that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so what, can you tell us like what it's like to run a 24 hour race? Yeah. Okay. So I think if people knew how fun these were, it wouldn't be as rare <laughs> because uh, <laughs> there's something very satisfying about um, just like, having a day in front of you and knowing that all you have to run, um, that's really cool. And also just like conceptually very simple. So you're just saying like 24 hours, like how far can I get? Um, and so there's like a curiosity element that kind of sustains the activity while you're going. Um, I really like monotony too. Like I love small loops. Um, and so just like getting to, because then you don't have to worry about like, I don't know, root finding, getting lost, tripping on things. You just kind of like go, um, it kind of frees your mind up to do whatever you want, like (laughs) during that whole time. So sometimes I just have like these wonderful thought fests where I'm just like thinking and my body is moving and um, it's pretty glorious. But uh, like my best advice for taking on those challenges. Well, two things. One, take the idea of quitting off the table. If you entertain that idea at all, it's going to be really hard to finish because you pass by the starting point like <laughs> hundreds of times during, during the course of it. So if that is like, 
any possibility at all, you will exit that door. Um, so one, you have to take that off the table. And then two is kind of just to break it down. So when I would run uh, 24 hours, the first 100 miles, I wouldn't, I would just be kind of in cruise control and not thinking about the race at all. And then once I got through 100 miles, I'd kind of survey myself and the field and then start to compete because then you only have to compete for 50 plus miles, which is way easier. You can't be competing the whole time because it'll eat you alive. <sighs> did, oh did you start? Yeah. <clears throat> did you start by doing like a 12 hour race or other timed events, shorter timed events, or did you just jump right into 24 hours? I jumped right into 24 hours. Okay. Um, yeah, because there's there's one that I've been wanting to do. And every year I'm either pregnant or something <laughs> happens that I'm not like I can't do it. But there's one and it's um an eight hour looped course on single track in Wisconsin. Oh, you should do it. It's so fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it's, want it's so yeah, it's so different. Um, And, and what do you think, Sabrina? Like, do you prefer to have a timed race over distance race or like, cause it is such an interesting mentally it's, it's different to, right. to do those. What do you think about that? Um, yeah. So personally I would, cause I just like, I don't know. I just think it's a really neat idea to see how many miles you can fit in, but there is something like satisfying about if you're running like a hundred miles, you know, that if you speed up, it ends quicker. <laughs> so True. Uh, like you don't have that sort of release, like you, it's just you and the clock the whole time and the clock doesn't like do what you want it to do. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't exert any will on the experience. So, yeah. So I think, I think this was, um, I was listening to ultra runner podcast yesterday and he said there's a new race in, I think it's in Kentucky, that you start at one point and you have 24 hours to get as far away from that point as possible. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So you can choose any way you want. You just can't go on highways or private land. Huh. So you have to map it out, though. You map yeah. it out. And you can go in any direction. And it's as the crow flies. So no matter, like, how you turn, yeah, it's you know, from that point to where you end. That's really neat. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting race format, but uh-huh. <laughs> even though it's timed, it's not a looped course. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah. what what made you try a 24-hour race in the first place? <laughs> uh, So I guess in the early days when I was – ultra running I just signed up really for anything and everything um I probably over raced quite a bit but there was one that was local um to where I was located so while I was in New Haven there was this race in Philadelphia um and it's drivable so I just thought you know I might as well give it a go and I saw that on the start list like the person who had the course record was someone who I had beat at Umstead the year before. And I just like, I don't know, I was curious to see, to see that she had done so well and kind of wondering like what I could do. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why I gave it a go. Okay. And how did that go? Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I won and I broke the course record. However, (laughs) I, it was like 120, 
eight, eight miles. So I don't know. So it's not like I figured it out right away. Like there was still um, quite a bit of growing to do. But still, 128 miles in 24 hours as your first 24-hour race. That's pretty awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And do courses differ a lot between, um, like, the length of loop or the terrain? Or are, do some have hills in them? I'm, yeah. I don't know much about the races. Yes. Okay. So it's changed a lot, um, I guess, kind of in the past five to 10 years. Like, so, uh, it used to be the case that most of them were road loops. Um, this one was in Philadelphia. It was around the Schuylkill, uh, river and it's kind of like a rolling, like some hills, but mostly flat. And it's like through parks that people were walking through. Like I ran through someone's wedding pictures on like, they were taking pictures at the, uh, the Rocky steps and I'm like running in the background eating chicken. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, so that was like eight and a half miles. Um, but these days, a lot of them are on the track, I think, just because it's faster. Mm. Um, and so so most of them that you'll find now, I think, are are on tracks. But a lot of them used to be, I guess, rolling road loops. Okay. Okay. And so I'm wondering, what do you do with, what do you do when you're in it? How how do you stay in the race mentally? What do you do with the suffering that is bound to happen when you've been running for hours and hours and hours? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I guess because the suffering kind of changes. So in the beginning, it's like all mental and it's sort of like anticipating what's to come and you're like what I cannot keep doing this for however long um sometimes like the suffering is like loneliness if you're just like on <laughs> like a trail alone or and knowing you have like 80 miles or something left I always remind myself with that suffering I'm like okay, yes, you're alone, but if you weren't here, you'd be sitting alone in your study cubicle, and that's not an improvement. So, like, that's not a real reason, um, like, to withdraw or something. So just kind of reasoning through it. And then later in the race, when it becomes more physical, like you just, you know, you're you're tired, um, it's more exertion, um, I just tell myself, like, there's too much invested. Don't you want to see what you can do? So just, like, stoking the curiosity fire um, to keep yourself going. Yeah. Do you feel like there's more camaraderie in a 24-hour race? Because you're, you know, when it's a smaller loop, you're probably seeing the same people way more times than you are during a 100-miler when it's a point-to-point yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. And I mean, uh, it's all like by degree, right? Because in most ultras, like camaraderie is what we're known for. So oh, yeah. even if you're not passing people like in a hundred mile or it just feels like everybody's on the same team. But yeah, mm-hmm. in a 24 hour, it is absurd. Like you just see people again and again. And by the time the race is done, you just know everybody, you know, their life stories. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's kind of cool to get to know people like over a 24 hour period and then you become friends like I I did a a 50k actually no it was a trail marathon and I was talking to a girl for maybe five six miles and like I got to know her pretty well but then I went ahead and you know it just then we passed and I didn't see her again we're like in the right you're gonna see them 
over and over pretty much. Yep. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Have you gone further than a 24-hour? Like, have you done a 48-hour race or further? Technically, yeah. So technically, I did a 48-hour. However, I only ran for 30 hours of it um, because there was no competition there. (laughs) And so I was like, why am I pushing myself? So I ran to 175 miles, um, and I just thought that's a good day's work um, and (laughs) called it a day. Um, I would really like to, yeah, I'd like to give that another go because, yeah, I I just don't think I was like, I I was maybe 24 when I did it, and I don't think that I was weathered enough, you know, to, uh, or gritty enough. I don't know what happened, but I was like, no, I'm pulling the plug. I'm done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Isn't isn't there a uh, is there a six day race in New York City like on a one mile loop block? Yeah. So yes. there's like one that's even longer than that, isn't it? And just it, there's like this three yes. Timnoy. There's three thousand mile race. Yeah. On a one block loop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It takes months or a few months. <laughs> Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm just like trying to imagine telling my husband that I'll I'll just be right back. <laughs> I gotta do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? How does your um husband play into all of this? He's a runner too, isn't he? Yeah. So he definitely runs with me. He is man. I I can't say enough good things about him. He's just like my supporter and just like my perfect uh person and in every way like for running and otherwise. So he is naturally like a very good runner, but he doesn't, he's not competitive at all. So he doesn't like, I will one step him like every day, every run. And it just like, doesn't get on his nerves. And like, (laughs) I don't know, like we, we coached together for a while. He was my assistant coach. Um, and he, I would just like tell him, okay, I need you to pace the boys team. Like at this pace, I'd be like, okay, like, three miles, 545 pace, whatever. And he just has no sense of like, he doesn't know what fast is and what not fast is. And so he would just like obey me and like do that. And I'm like, if I were your high school coach, I could have made you into like a state champion. You are so talented, but he just like has no, has no interest in any of that. So yeah. So for ultras, I would say, um, okay. So my last year at Yale, was his first year at Baylor. He's also a PhD um, in political science. And so we were long distance for a year when we were really getting to know each other. And so he knew that I ran for hours every day, but he only knew it as sort of like this idea. And so I guess like the first year of our marriage, like trying to figure out, he's like, wow, you run a lot. And I'm like, yeah, you know that I run a lot. Um, But I think like we had to kind of like work through what that meant. And I, gave a little and he gave a little and so I honestly don't run as much as I used to just because um like I value like spending time with him and like I do I used to do a lot more just like uh fluff miles and now I do more like focused miles I also used to do more 24 hours you'll notice on my uh ultra sign up that I stopped really doing them in 2013 and that's because like talking to um I don't know, like at the time I was like reading all these um, things about how like you don't really know how many 
hundred milers or how many 24 hours your body can take at a high level, like over a period of time, like, so living sustainably, but also just like wanting to involve him in a way that like, didn't put him on the spot of like having to show up at a 24 hour and like crew me. I don't know. Like just taking that into consideration, I started like we compromised and now I do like hundred milers, which like, is comical because it's still like a long distance, but it's like 14 to 15 hours instead of 24 hours, which means you sleep at night. So I don't know. I, I think that's so funny. Cause I, so I haven't done a hundred miler, but I feel like it would take me 24 hours plus to get a hundred miles in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the course. <laughs> Yeah, and and the speed. <laughs> so, but it's good you found something that is like a compromise for you know I'm just gonna do a hundred miler instead of a, a 24 hour race for right, your husband. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so I did read somewhere um, that I think in grad school and then maybe after too when you were um, like teaching and coaching, you were averaging. Um, over a hundred miles a week, which is like probably pretty normal for you. Um, is that like, is that what you were doing? Like when you were first married and, and, um, now that you do more focused miles instead of fluff miles, has it changed or what does that look like? Yeah. So I'm trying to remember, I did not keep a running log and didn't have a GPS watch until like maybe 20. 15, 2016. So I, I like, I honestly have no idea, but uh, I will say that I was probably running above a hundred miles a week before I got married. And then Bobby ended up like in that first year, probably somewhere in the seventies. Now I'm like my comfortable mileage where I feel like I'm recovering and progressing is like probably around 90 miles. Um, so, I mean, some of the removing of fluff had to do with, like, we were coaching the cross-country and track team, and, like, naturally I was pacing some of their workouts and um, just, like, doing faster work than I had done previously. And so when you're doing, like, higher quality and not just – it's not like every day is long run day kind of thing, uh, I don't know, like, your mileage starts to come down in kind of a natural way. Um, but I can't say like, it's not like I ever set out to run a mileage. I just kind of like feel it out and see like based on whatever my life stress is at the time and like how it fits in. So the first year, I honestly have no idea how much I was running. Um, I run, I would say that I'm probably running more now than I did then. Um, but also like we've been married for eight years. He's never surprised when I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> now so uh yeah we just like found whatever worked for the two of us and I would say before we had a daughter he would run um every day with me too so I would double but he would run probably 40 miles with me and then I would hit about 90 or something myself okay 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 yeah yeah you said he does ultras or he doesn't no he doesn't he has no interest no okay yeah, it's so interesting. That's so yeah. cool. I mean, it's it's probably good, you know. It's <laughs> right. nice to like have a difference. Like he still runs, but 
Um, and so like supports you in that knows, understands it. But um, I think that's so cool that he's just really himself and doesn't, even though yeah. he married you, who's really yeah. intense about running, doesn't need to do that himself. Yeah. And we like, uh, we, we, every year we race a half marathon together, but it's always like my goal is to beat him and his goal is to spend time with me. And so he's like hanging on at the end of the race, like, Hey, what are you doing? Like I'm trying to drop the camera. Yeah. Um, but it's like a pretty equal distance for us. So like I cannot drop him for the life of me. Um, yeah. So that's so cool. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's I feel like that's how we would be too. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. what um, have you done like every distance, like 50K to 175 miles for a race? Yeah, um, I started. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, it kind of like took a while for me to want to do the middle things like I really liked hundreds and 24s for a while um and now I'm like more excited about like 50 miles and 100 k's mm. okay mm-hmm. yeah what's your favorite that you've done uh probably 100 still okay yeah 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 I will get there eventually yeah but... <laughs> <laughs> um me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were so close to 100K this summer. I know. I know. Sabrina, I was signed up for um, an 100K in the Alps. Wow. Wait, which one? It was the Swiss Alps 100K. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Okay. <laughs> right. But maybe maybe someday. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, so now moving into motherhood that you have experienced now this year, you had your daughter in May um, in the pandemic. (laughs) I'm curious about that. And I'm curious about how your pregnancy was like and running with that and tell us all the, all the deets. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Stop me if I like leave something out, I guess. I don't know how to wait, where to begin, but um, yes, yeah, so I have a lovely daughter. Her name is Lucy. Um, she's just over six months. Um, she's a pandemic baby. Um, it's been super interesting. Um, so I don't know, like she hasn't even gotten to meet her grandparents yet because they live far away and, um, we've been like quarantined and she didn't have her shots and our parents are older. And so that's like been one of the difficulties. Like, Honestly, I'm not a person who would, like, be super excited for something like a baby shower. So I was like, whew, dodged a bullet. Didn't have to do something like that, um, like, because of the pandemic. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I feel really sad about just, like, lost time, like, with getting her to meet um, her grandparents and things like that. Um, I guess pregnancy was pretty uneventful. I didn't really know what to um expect um i like i know that some people spend like their lives like dreaming about having kids and whatever and like as i said before like i'm pretty ambitious person for good and for ill and like i thought about like conference presentations and like i don't know like getting a tenure track job and i don't know competing in races and things and 
So I knew it was going to be an adjustment, um, like moving into motherhood. And I also just like hadn't thought enough about it to know kind of the right questions to ask, um, like, or how my life would change. And being pregnant, I mean, you guys have been there, but it's like so weird because you are, you know what your life is and you know the things that you love in your life and what you enjoy and things. Um, and you're kind of like standing on the precipice, a nine month precipice of like this new life that you have no idea what it's going to be like. Um, but you only know what you're losing, right? So, you know, there's like a promise of something that wonderful that's going to happen. And everybody tells you that something like it's going to be wonderful, but you just don't know. So I think, I don't know, I was like very excited, but also like a little bit uneasy and trying not to lament like lost opportunities. Like I knew that I wasn't going to be able to ex- attend conferences this year. I didn't know that also nobody else was going to get to conferences. But also, like, I was so sad when I had to email and say I couldn't do the 100K World Championships, like, to turn that down. And, I mean, again, nobody got to do the 100K Championships. But just, like, I don't know, it felt, like, so sad to close doors like that. And I just didn't know like how I was going to feel about that. Um, I think, so one thing that you guys have talked about um, on the show and I like just applaud you and I, you guys are so awesome for doing this, but like talking about loss, like um, so before I got pregnant, I actually had a miscarriage. And so like in the time period, like after that, I ended up like competing in some races and just like getting races like the thing that I thought that I loved and like, I don't know, the, the, the thing that you're looking back on when you're standing on the precipice of like this new thing, like realizing that, um, like they just didn't like fill me up in the same kind of way. So when I finally did get pregnant again, I was just like, I don't know, feeling better about it. Cause I knew like that the races and the conferences and everything was like a lesser thing than like, I don't know, having, having this child, this thing that I'd become more excited about. So, um, yeah, so pregnancy itself was like, okay. So I know that people talk about like, and it's good that people talk about like a range of experiences and like some people are like, it's terrible. And, um, (laughs) I don't know in the whole time. And I did not have any of that. I like, purposefully slowed down my miles in the first trimester and did the same in the second trimester. And, but I ran every single day. I took one day off the entire pregnancy and it was because of an international flight. Um, and so I was not like the window of running opportunity was closed. Um, but yeah, I felt good. I, and even in like the wake of my pregnancy, like now recovering, I haven't, had like any pelvic issues or any pain or even trouble like rebounding. Um, And I've been kind of conservative, but not like conservative in the way that they recommend. Like, so um, yeah, it's been a real delight. And now I have this like little sunbeam who beat, who like greets me every morning and sometimes multiple times in the middle of the night, but she always like smiles and so I'm happy to see her. Yeah. 
I, um, I'm sorry to hear about your miscarriage. Um, it's so hard. Finally do get pregnant. I don't know if you were super anxious. I mean, that's what I talked about was that I was anxious, but I'm happy that you were able to run through that, that pregnancy and, you know, um, keep up your endurance and everything. Did it, you, um, you said recovery went well. Did birth go well? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, it was like a 21 hour labor. Um, so, and, but it was like pretty straightforward and everyone was healthy and, and everything. So, yeah. Good. Less than your 24 hour races. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> as long as it doesn't go past 24, I know I can handle this. <laughs> well, you can get to 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. So, like all by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um. I always get so sad. Um, I mean, I love getting my sleep, but I get sad when they don't wake up in the middle of the night and cause it's like lost cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite there. I, I don't get sad about that. I, <laughs> I, I understand, but it's like, it is, I, you do great. feel pretty incredible when they start <laughs> sleeping through the night. Oh, that yeah. yeah. Makes you feel like a new woman, really. <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 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 And so how how has it been lately just with what you're talking about with um I mean even as you're pregnant and you know like you were saying like you're standing on this precipice you don't know what's exactly going to change. I mean nobody can be like completely prepared for what a baby will really bring to their life. All the good stuff and hard stuff. And, and how do you feel now? Have you like accepted, um, just kind of any differences in life or like, I guess, what am I trying to ask? Um, shoot, it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. Uh, Yeah. So, okay. So one thing that changed is I guess like, so I did have to say no to like an upcoming race opportunity. And the reason was because I don't have like childcare in the pandemic kind of thing. So it was like the first kind of like gut punch of, Oh, things change when you're accountable to another person. Um, but I was sad for maybe like a minute (laughs) and then, I, it was okay. Um, and I think like just having that nine month period, I guess, to like prepare my heart for that and like to be okay with things shifting. Um, I think I'm okay with that. Um, I guess sort of change. Um, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. Focus shifts after right. you have a baby. For sure. And yeah. it's not like, I do not feel any less ambitious, honestly, but it's just like a reordering of loves kind of thing. Like I'm okay if like I have to, if I prioritize her, I'm not the first like woman in human history who's like done something like that. Uh, Yeah. It just, it helps to like stand back and say like, listen, you are not the only person who has ever had a child. Like, you will get to compete. And my husband like keeps reminding me of that too. He's like, this is just a season and this is like a hard season and particularly so because of the pandemic, but you will get to compete and 
be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You still need to be who you are, you know, even after you become a mom. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And it is true how seasons are really temporary. I mean, every season is pregnancy is temporary. Those fresh postpartum days are temporary. The, I mean, you know, waking up through the night is temporary, usually. Um, And yeah, yeah, it's true. It's really true. And so do you have, do you have your sights on particular things or is that kind of difficult right now with where the world is? Um, Yeah. Um, It's really hard to anticipate like what the racing scene is going to look like in the future, but I really want to find a road 100 K um, I think um, it's kind of suited to the sort of training and the time that I have to have now to train. Um, so, yeah, I want to find one of those as soon as it opens. I'd also like to race. Um, I don't know. So I know Lake Sonoma has that new 100K as part of their 50 mile. And every time I finish that race, I'm like, I wish this were just a little bit longer. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and I hope to, to get to compete there. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I was going to ask you how, um, how has Hoka been through your pregnancy? Are you're sponsored by them? You were sponsored yeah. by them starting when? Uh, 2015 or 2016, okay. somewhere in that range. Okay. Um, they've been honestly wonderful. Um, I wasn't sure because, well, I mean, everybody's heard like the horror stories of different companies and how they failed to support um, runners through it. Um, but yeah, like straight off the bat, they just like assured me that my contract wouldn't be like, there wouldn't be any, um, repercussions there and I didn't have to worry about re-signing I'm up like right at the end of the year I always sign in like two-year contracts Mm. um so I'm not worried about that um they like just go out of their way to encourage me so like last week they sent me a pair of Uggs for Lucy like her first pair of shoes just like such a sweet surprise and honestly like they have bigger names on their rosters I mean Alephine just uh, just announced that she was pregnant too. And I am no Alphine. Like I, uh, like she's head and shoulders above me as an athlete. And so I don't know that that's special because it's not like I, it, like, it seems like they're not worried about like the press that's going to follow them. They're just like worried about, you know, doing the right thing um, by their athletes. So yeah, I have nothing but positive things to say about them. And then also like inside tracker re-signed me when I was six months pregnant. And that's like another, like they didn't have to do that. So, uh, so yeah. Good. I'm glad companies are getting like better about being good to pregnant women because it, I mean, it's what's going to happen. Like you can't just be mean to these people who get pregnant. Like that's right. I don't know. But I'm happy that companies are moving forward and just being more understanding about becoming a mom. For sure. Yeah. Well, and runners are people, too. Yeah. And, like, it's a very human thing to have a baby and want to have a family. And that brings a whole full life. And so. And like yeah. you said, it doesn't take away your drive to mm-hmm. do stuff just because mm-hmm. you had a daughter or a baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so what 
what kind of does your training look like these days? I'm just curious with with Lucy and with your husband, is there more balancing, swapping um, creativity? You're you're creative. <laughs> you're, you're an artist in this sense. That <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely some creativity going on. Uh, yeah, so through the summer, I the balance was really good. I mean, I got back up to my comfortable mileage, which was 90s. Um, and I was like in, improving, um, week to week and it was really exciting. Honestly, like being in a university setting, um, during a pandemic is a lot of added stress. I had an overload of courses, so I was teaching five, um, which meant like, I mean, having a baby is one thing, like teaching five courses in a pandemic is another. Um, so there were some days when honestly I had 30 minutes, um, my, I would send my husband outside, he would run 30 minutes, and then we'd pass the baby like a baton, I would run 30 minutes, and then we'd like get started on this like crazy town that is like university instruction in a pandemic. And then so some days, like I was only getting 30 minutes. Um, and then I would kind of make up for it during the week. Like if I had a window, I would just like, David would like basically send me out the door. He's like, I know you need this <laughs> right now. Um, just to like keep everybody sane and everything. Um, but I, yeah. And on weekends I would run a little bit more too. I was probably like on average in the seventies or eighties, um, for mileage. So it actually wasn't like a huge reduction, but I definitely like felt it. Like I felt, I don't know. It just felt like I wasn't like, hmm actively like getting stronger I don't know like you know how in college there's the saying like it's like running friends schoolwork you can only choose two kind of thing you know have you ever heard that well Mm -hmm. that's like I kind of felt like that like family school running you can only choose two (laughs) the thing took the hit most is going to be running. So yeah, but it was wonderful. Like, honestly, I just like, again, I'll just like talk about David till I'm blue in the face, but he is like, uh, he's like a person of such good character and has been like by my side through everything. Like there has not been one night where Lucy's woken up that he hasn't just sat next to us. Like, so I don't have to be alone kind of thing. Um, we help each other out. Like he teaches political philosophy and I teach philosophy. And so we like help each other with ideas and like the structuring of our lectures and just like having that partnership. Like I haven't felt alone in it. Um, Lucy gets read like, (laughs) we're like, sorry, Lucy, your, your bedtime story is Plato Republic. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) just like help us with this lecture now. Um, but but yeah, it's like, I don't know, somehow it's worked. And I think like having that support from my husband is like a big reason why. That's so cool. That. Yeah. And your daughter is going to be so smart. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be talking about these uh, philosophical big questions you know, <laughs> as soon as she can learn to talk. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, and I like your attitude just through this and through this year and. Um, good job. I mean, good job just doing it all. Thank you. And trying to be, I mean, it just seems like you're 
you're really busy and it's crazy, but you're also grateful to be where you are. And that goes a long way. So. Thanks. <laughs> um, so you're a writer for I Run Far, too? Yep. Yes. So how did that, did that come happen? about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Megan, the editor, um, Megan Hicks, she invited me to do it. And it's been really neat. Like, I think in the past I tried to. So I write about um, character education, um, just like developing virtues and philosophy of sport in that column. It's called The Examined Life. Um, and it's just like a really fun opportunity, I think, as like to do public philosophy, because I it seems like sometimes the academy is sort of uh, siloed off and philosophers don't do public work or try to communicate ideas outside. Um, and there are a lot of people who don't get to go to college or are still like hungry to ask big questions and don't have like a means by which to do that. Um so that's been a neat opportunity. I think in the past I tried to keep my two spheres like very distinct, like running and then philosophy. And I think it was kind of like I, I kind of like had a complex about like, well, I don't want to be a pretty good runner for a philosopher or like a pretty good philosopher for a runner. Like I wanted my two things to stand on their own. And I always like sometimes I would have professors like ask me about my running when I entered the classroom. And I was always like, are they asking me about my running because my academic work is not good enough? Like, why do they, I don't know. That's like what I thought. But now I just realized like, no, it's just this like absurd hobby that you do that like, I don't know, invites like questions sometimes. So I'm becoming more comfortable with like bridging those two things and finding ways to make my running enrich my writing and my writing enrich my running. Um, and so Writing for Iron Far has been like a cool opportunity to ask the questions that I typically ask myself in uh, in my running in a philosophical way for public consumption. Love that is really neat because you're yeah. sharing your gifts with everybody. And <laughs> okay, so what's an example of like a philosophical ethical dilemma related to running that you've processed through? recently or in the past just for fun uh, <laughs> okay well I guess so right now like this morning I was working on my um like my iron bar column for this upcoming month so it's very fresh <laughs> on my mind that I've been thinking about like the place of willpower in running because mm -hmm. if you think about so willpower is sort of like a pop concept really at, at the moment like everybody talks about how Willpower is like a muscle and um, it like gets fatigued. And so sometimes if you're like working really hard in one area, then you don't have willpower to spend on other things. And so if you are like, I don't know, expending a lot of willpower to like get out the door and go for a run, well, then maybe you won't have willpower left over to like really dig into your your work, your day job or something like that. And I've just been thinking through those concepts because that's like really not how I think about my running. So oftentimes when people approach me or ask questions about running, they're like, wow, you must be a person of like such great willpower, like just like exerting this force to self-govern on a regular basis. Like, how do you get yourself out the door? And I'm like, no, like I get out the door on pure pleasure. Like it's that thing that I just like love to do. It's habit. I'm not even asking the question of like whether I should get out the door. 
But when, like, so when does willpower, like, come in? When do the emotions come in? What is kind of, like, carrying my training on a regular basis? Like, what does that look like? And why is there kind of, like, this misunderstanding with, like, how I am envisioning my training versus, like, how the general public is when they construe what we're doing as runners, I guess, kind of thing. So that's my current question, and I don't have answers yet. I'm just, like, still, like, thinking through the ideas. Yeah. Well, it's hard um, talking to non-runners about, you know, running ultra distances or super long, and everyone's like, I don't even want to drive that far. I don't want to do this. Right. And I'm like, but for me, like, it's my time to, even though it's, like, physically taxing on my body, it's a time to relax mentally for me because I can just get out the door. I don't have to worry about, you know, everything that has to be done at home. Like, I'm just out doing my own thing. And I don't know. It's I don't think uh, the people who are asking those questions when, when they're non-runners, it's hard to understand why we love it so much. For sure. Yeah. Or even just to understand the nature of the task. Like uh, yeah. one time I had a student who was like, she asked me because I ran during lunch one day and she was like, how far do you go? And I was like, oh, well, like two miles. And she was like, oh, my gosh, like I could never run two miles. And I was thinking like, OK, like there's just no conception of like if I had said 20, she probably would have had the same response kind of yeah. thing. So, I yeah. Don't know. yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. It is. I love that you get to think about these things. And I want to think about these things more. You're inspiring me. (laughs) But now you need to act on it. You know, ask myself a question. (laughs) Right. Right. I know. That's so neat. Um, Have you wrestled with anything since becoming a mom Um, with philosophy and running and motherhood? Uh, Like, how are those coming together for you in your mind this year? Goodness. Uh, well, I guess, so I guess, I don't know. I, probably if you asked me 10 years from now, I'd be like, well, <laughs> but I, I guess the thing that I've really been thinking about is, um, I guess over the course of being pregnant and now being on the other side of it. Well, so physically I felt, felt okay through the process. Um, but I wasn't competing, right? So I didn't have these, like, little pieces of achievement to, like, chew on and feel good about. But then also, like, you talked about mom brain. I mean, like, I just remember feeling, like, styrofoam between the ears for, like, a nine-month period. And it was, like, so unsettling that I felt like I couldn't do the sort of sharp intellectual work that I wanted to do. And I realized how, like, I don't know. Some people say they come to like this moment of recognition where they are realizing that they have placed too much weight on their achievements in running or something. But Mm -hmm. I think like over the course of my life, like the fact that I have these two things, either running was going well or academia was going really well. And when one wasn't going well, I could still lean into the other. And then in the process of like being pregnant and having styrofoam brain and not getting to like, um, like accomplish things athletically, I was just kind of like left there with just like myself without either thing to lean into. 
And just coming to like a new recognition of, no, you do have a problem with achievement. You need to like be comfortable with yourself as a person and like, I don't know, like appreciate that you have dignity apart from those things that you're doing. So it was just kind of like a time of recognition for me that was like very uncomfortable for nine months. And I'm like very grateful that I can think clearly again, but I, it was very edifying time <laughs> to, I guess, figure that out about myself. Yeah. Oh, I like that imagery. Like you're just left with yourself right? <laughs> because of that. Wow. That's interesting. I, and when did, when did your mind turn around? Um, when did the styrofoam go away? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know, like pretty, pretty immediately. I would say like the sleep thing is definitely some days I'm more bright eyed and bushy tailed. And then other days I'm like, I can't wait until tomorrow evening to sleep again. Um, but yeah, like pretty, pretty right away. I mean, the worst of it was like, during the second trimester, which I don't know, people always say that second trimester you're supposed to like feel pretty awesome. I did not. I felt like kind of dull. I'm usually sort of like a buoy, like push me underwater and I'll pop back up, like kind of joyful. Um, and I just felt like not like myself. I was defending my dissertation and I'm sitting in that room, like feeling like a styrofoam head. Um, and that lasted in like probably December to February. I came around a little bit. And then after Lucy was born, I started feeling normal again. <laughs> oh it's my crazy. Gosh. Every pregnancy is different too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, even for me, like I'm glad to hear you say that you had some, some fuzzy brain because yes. we're all human, <laughs> you know, we've all got our moments, but yeah, yeah, that's so neat. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I think, is that, is that good stuff? Should we wrap up? I'm thinking yeah, I, we need to uh, respect your time, Sabrina. You're a busy person. and <laughs> But it has been so cool talking to you. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love learning about all the big questions that you get to answer or work on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's Over. way above my intellect level. My intelligence level, not. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, okay, before we let you go, we usually ask two things at the end. Um, one is, what's your favorite race you've ever done? Okay. Uh, I think Rocky Raccoon 100. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, real quick. And um, was... So Rocky Raccoon 100, I was looking at, oh gosh, maybe it was your blog. Um, but was that also USATF 100 mile championships? Yes. For three years it was. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and so is, have you done that race a couple times or are you talking about that year that you won? Yeah. So I think I've done it three or four times. Um, mm -hmm. I just really like it. It's in February and that's the, that's like peak ultra season when you live in Texas. Um, mm -hmm. whereas like the seasons are flipped. So if you live in the North, then the summer is, um, hundred season. So it was like the big one that, that Southern States did. Um, 
I love it. It like has the Texas hospitality. It's like fast and runnable. Um, and just a really, really cool event. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And then the second question is what is your favorite go-to healthy meal that you eat or make with your family? Okay. So I think it's sushi. <laughs> we make California <laughs> rolls and I'll say like, this is a hard question because we are working our way through uh, the Joy of Cooking cookbook. My mm-hmm. husband's really into cooking, and so we don't do a lot of repeat meals. But if ever I'm given the opportunity to choose something, I say sushi. <sighs> and, you know, you sent that to me, and i that's one of our go-tos also. Oh, I, awesome. I, like, ever since college, I, I was on um, a triathlon team at Oregon State, and – we would always have like a, a, maybe almost weekly, like just sushi making night. And I had never made it before, but now, I mean, it's just kind of one of our favorite things. Usually just, um, yeah, like vegetarian ones, but yeah, it's yeah, great. So Love good. It. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you, Sabrina, so much for giving us your time and just sharing all your stories and your philosophies and everything with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. I love how we got to talk to her about like these big questions that I don't have like the brain capacity (laughs) to ask. (laughs) (laughs) I, it's just, um, I think it's so good that we have people like her in our world that are asking like these types of questions. And I love that she can do like whatever her heart is like geared for or, you know, wants at that moment. Like she can talk about sports or she can talk about humanity, you know, different types and she can kind of dabble in different research projects. And mm-hmm. she was just so amazing <laughs> to talk mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And she's like so steeped in this intellectual Yet she could come down. <laughs> and I'm yeah. so grateful for that because, um, you know, I mean, we're talking about the spongy styrofoam brain and I'm like, yeah. that's me every day. <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, it's so neat. And, and, she, and she's I don't know, awesome like, runner. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, she's a, an amazing runner. And honestly, like her work in philosophy, like that, because running is such a, you know, we do our, our deep thinking when we're running. Yeah. I, I, so often. And, and I think like philosophy, like can play such a huge role in, um, in helping like your running and your motherhood and yeah. just your life as a person, your yeah. ethics. Um, it's so neat. And yes, so fun to hear about her running. I, I think, you know, her saying that she just sticks to something more modest, like a hundred miles <laughs> these days. It's like, oh my God. But she's just, she's amazing. And, um, yeah, I hope, I hope people loved hearing about that and, and about just her transition into motherhood and, and how she faced pregnancy and kind of letting certain things go, accepting certain things. Um, how her priorities have changed. It's just, it's great to, to hear what it's like with, um, one more mother out there. 
So if you all enjoyed this conversation, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can also subscribe to Treeline Journal's newsletter, which is found at treelinejournal.com. We send out one email a week that has the latest articles and podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram at runhardmomhardpod. You can email us at runhardmomhard at gmail.com, or you can click the anchor link in the show notes below and leave us a voice message. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. We hope everyone out there is staying safe, enjoying December, enjoying their running. We wish you all the best, and we will will talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye, everybody. I like that you get to ask big questions to yourself. <laughs> like, that's all I got. She can come down to our level. <laughs> we should thank her for coming down to our level. Um, can I go to the bathroom first? Yes, me too. <sighs> and I'm like, Aaron, we need to get Thai chicken pizza. He's like, well, can you make it? I'm like, I don't know how to make it. Okay, let's do it. I say, eat like every last bit of rice. Uh, I don't know what else. <laughs> where else to go with that (laughs) um best wishes from (laughs) like a christmas card no what no no um yeah i'm just pulling out a knot from my hair oh shoot where's the exoskin stuff chase loves his clocks (laughs) you're eating an apple i'm eating chocolate (laughs) okay so this is sabrina this is coming out this week i'm like okay where am i i know (laughs) time warp (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Okay. It'll be easy if Steph can stop eating.